Howdy, fans! You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Left circle, Stamkos. Holds, holds, shoots, scores! Stamkos! Again! The latest lightning news, interviews, and more. Wow. With your host, Greg Linelli. That's great, folks. That's great right there. On Lightning Power Play. Are the Tampa Bay Lightning back? Well, based off of the last seven games, you can make a very strong argument that they're getting close. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're the best team in the league after a seven-game win streak, but it's been impressive. And like I've told you before, throughout the season, you needed a little bit of patience. There's no doubt there was going to be some struggle, I think, this year based off of two things that we had talked about. One, coming off the playoff loss last year in the first round of the Columbus Blue Jackets, I felt like there would be a hangover, and I do think that was the case early on. But more importantly, number two, the Tampa Bay Lightning were trying to change the way they were going about their business game in and game out, being less risky with the puck, taking less penalties, and just in general being more responsible. As Derek Lawn said during one of our intermission interviews, the offensive arrogance needs to subside a bit with this team. And I think over the last seven games, while it hasn't always been perfect, Tampa Bay has done a much better job of doing those things than maybe early in the year. And really, what I keep going back to is John Cooper and Julian Brisewell, and even the team basically saying, you know, we were playing some pretty good hockey before, and we weren't getting rewarded. Now we are, and that's a good thing. So the Tampa Bay Lightning feel like they're playing some pretty good hockey. It's just early on, the record didn't indicate it. And because Tampa Bay wasn't one of the top three teams in the Atlantic Division during the first month or so of the season, I think there was a general panic when it came to the Lightning fan base. This is a long year. And as I said to Eric Erlinson yesterday, there's still some major hurdles this team's going to have to get over, but that's going to come during the playoffs. And I'm not sure anything they do right now is going to impact them in a negative or positive way heading into that time of the year. I will say this, and I think it's an underrated portion of Tampa Bay's success this year, and possibly one of the few things, maybe the only thing we can look at and say, I think they'll be better prepared once the playoffs start because they went through this during the season, and that is legitimate adversity. Adversity at times, I think, can be a bit overrated. You know, last year, Tampa Bay, they went through some adversity. But look, when you win as many games as they did and you have a record-breaking regular season, a lot of people aren't going to believe you. But I don't think there's any doubt this Tampa Bay Lightning team has faced some adversity and strong adversity this year. They weren't playing particularly well. Uh, Nikita Kucherov was benched during a game. Yeah, they haven't had uh, too many injuries to deal with. Of course, Ryan McDonough, we just don't know how long he's going to be out. But it was a team that was going through, in some ways, you could say an identity crisis. And that can be scary. And so when you take a look at the Lightning, to get to this point, not only are they playing better, I think the adversity they faced early on in the season has gotten them to this point. And I do think how they've handled adversity is something that they can use once the playoffs roll around to their advantage. You know, how they play in the playoffs uh, does tightening up defensively in game 41 translate into what they're going to be doing in the playoffs? You know, quite honestly, I don't think so, or if it does, very little, because the playoffs are such a different animal. And, and players and teams and coaches, they do things differently in the playoffs than they do in the regular season, mainly because you have to. You're playing a team in a best of seven. You're not playing... Um, one team every couple of days who is in a different conference. It's just a different time of the year. And so what you do in the regular season doesn't always translate into how you do in the playoffs. And I think the best example of that is obviously the Tampa Bay Lightning of last year. But I do think, and one thing that a lot of people talked about was not taking and not dealing with adversity as well as they should have last year or not even going through any adversity last season 
you are going through adversity this year. And I do think they're coming out on top, at least right now. And because of that, I think Tampa Bay will be better served and better positioned to deal with that come playoff time. Again, assuming they make the playoffs. And while that might be a big assumption on my part, 40 games in, I do think this is a playoff team. And I've always said that. I I don't know if they're going to finish in first. I don't know if they're going to finish in second or third. But I think for the Lightning, just get in. And then we can see what happens. But Tampa Bay right now, 52 points through 41 games. Toronto's in second place with 53 points through 43. Boston, 59 through 43. The game last night was very impressive because of the travel. Uh, Anytime you're playing on the road and you have to go from Canada to, let's say, Raleigh like they did yesterday for a 5 o'clock game, Boy, I really did think that was going to be a scheduled loss, but the Lightning were able to score a couple of goals quickly. They put the Canes on their back, and the Tampa Bay Lightning end up cruising to a victory, and that was one of their better wins of the year, and it was really good to see Mitchell Stevens and Carter Verhage team up on the team's first goal. I thought Nikita Kucherov was impactful during the game and had a hand in every goal Tampa Bay scored. Uh, He was directly responsible for Dougie Hamilton losing the puck and leading to Steven Stamkos' goal to make it uh, 2-0. And I think that's exactly what you want to see from Kucherov. doesn't have to be really physical, but be enough of a pest to force somebody into an uncomfortable position. And then we saw what Steven Stamkos was able to do with that turnover. Uh, Kudos also to Andre Vasilevsky. You know, I don't know if he's looking like the guy we saw last year. I think he's getting there but he's giving his team a chance to win. And it was really good to see him shut things down last night on the road. Again, knowing that your team is down Ryan McDonough and knowing that they played yesterday in Ottawa, you needed a big game from your goaltender, regardless of how the game was going to play out. And I think he gave Tampa Bay exactly what they needed. So that was very encouraging to see. And I think it's something that he can continue to build off of and uh, the team for sure. You know how this all plays out tomorrow against Vancouver. It's not an Eastern Conference team. It's not an Atlantic Division team. And, you know, sometimes maybe uh, you let your foot off the gas just a bit because they've been going hardcore against teams in the Eastern Conference. They've won 14 straight against Atlantic Division foes, seven in a row in general. And I think it's been fun to watch um, game in and game out. Uh, But the Lightning, I think, are finding ways to close out games And I think if you're a Lightning fan, the question we're asking you tonight here on the show, has your opinion changed regarding this Lightning team from a month ago? Hit me up on Twitter, at Greg Lanelli. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Patrick Williams, he joins us next from Elite Prospects and NHL.com. What's going on in Syracuse? They're certainly struggling. And uh, we'll talk about Dalton Smith and how that all went down last week when he got recalled Uh, to play for the Buffalo Sabres against the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's all coming up next on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Kita Kutrop, left circle, cross ice, Johnson, right circle. Jump score! Oh, what a snipe! The latest news, interviews, and more with your host, Greg Lanelli. He would not be denied! On Lightning Power Play. All right, Lightning Power Play Live continues on a Monday as Tampa Bay fresh off uh, the win last night against Carolina. One of the better wins of the year for a lot of reasons, but I I think mainly because of the travel that was behind it. Playing in Ottawa on Saturday, then coming back, playing at 5 o'clock in Raleigh, and taking it to a rested Carolina team. Very impressive. Tampa Bay now has won seven in a row and continue to make a case that now they are one of the better teams in the East. If you already didn't know that, the record now starting to play out, and uh, that's been fun to watch for sure. They're uh, back at home Tuesday against Vancouver. We want to get into uh, some of the prospects, how well they're doing, and uh, Syracuse, their season. We've been keeping you up to date throughout the year with our good friend Patrick Williams from Elite Prospects and NHL.com. Every Monday, he's joining us again via the phone line. Patrick, great to be with you, bud. And Boy, I appreciate you getting back to me when the news broke that Dalton Smith was getting promoted kind of out of the blue by the Buffalo Sabres for their game 
last week against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, of course, to give people, again, a little background, the Sabres were very disappointed in a couple of tough hits that Lightning players put on a couple of their guys. And there was really no response. And I think this is had, this had been boiling over Patrick um, for quite some time. And then all of a sudden, Dalton Smith pops up. And I had Mike Carrington on from the Buffalo News. And he had written an article basically how the Buffalo Sabres needed to respond to Tampa Bay. And you got the sense from reading the article, Patrick, that there was going to be some sort of blood fest because... You know, Smith was in the lineup basically to do one thing and one thing only, but he had never heard of the guy. And so I, I reached out to you and you gave me a, a great scan report on him. But take us through that whole situation. What was uh, your initial reaction when you heard that Dalton Smith was getting promoted, not to the AHL, <laughs> but to the NHL and uh, actually playing in an NHL game? I was a little surprised. I sort of, uh, you know, like, I'm like, did we time travel back uh, 10, 15 years? Uh, <laughs> you know, you don't usually see that kind of thing anymore where, you know, uh, the day of a, or the day before kind of a big divisional game, uh, you know, you want to send a message. So you, uh, you start arming, uh, arming your roster and, uh, you know, bringing up some of the enforcers and, you know, like, I mean, that's old school as, as it gets, especially this day and age where, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the whole fighting element of the game has uh, pretty much been taken out of it. And uh, you have a guy who, you know, uh, pretty much in any era, you know, even if you were in the uh, much tougher areas of hockey, uh, would have fit in pretty well. Uh, and uh, they bring him up and it's like, oh, this is interesting, especially midseason. I mean, every now and then you'll see a guy get a contract like that midseason, but not very often. And uh, certainly not generally a guy like that who, you know, is – for the most part, he's a bottom six type AHL player. And, uh, you know, he's a solid enough player at the AHL level, but uh, certainly not anything uh, spectacular. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting to uh, see that. Uh, I think uh, I think everybody uh, kind of uh, an eyebrow went up uh, when that happened. But, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a guy that uh, – he's a dangerous uh, type fighter. I mean, he can, he can definitely uh, – uh, be a deterrent there uh, to the extent that that's still, you know, an, uh, an element in hockey. And, uh, you know, you know, it's interesting. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a little bit of that uh, midseason drama to uh, spice things up uh, where, uh, you know, you don't always, uh, you know, you don't always get sort of that kind of spice in a, in a game like that at this time of the year. So, yeah, it was uh it's definitely interesting, that's for sure. Well, I mean, is that a, a typical case where that's a career minor leaguer and you can make the argument that might be his only NHL game ever? Yeah, uh, I think for sure. I mean, uh, you know, there's uh, any number of uh, those uh, guys, uh, you know, the you know the one-game wonder type guys uh, who, uh, you know, they forever they'll have their name in the uh, NHL record book, but... Uh, yeah, he's a he's an interesting guy in the sense that he was actually part of the Tampa system a couple of years back and bounced around a little bit. And uh, you know, he's you know to his credit, he's been able to at least hang at the AHL level and you know make himself uh, you know a serviceable type player at that level. But uh, yeah, um, you know, uh, he's not a guy that you would certainly expect uh, to really stick around for for you know a really long time. But uh, you know, he's. Uh, you know, to his credit, he's been able to, uh, you know, uh, kind of plug away and keep persisting. I mean, he's 27 years old, so, you know, he's been around the block a few times. And, you know, he's an interesting guy in the fact that at one point he actually kind of was, uh, you know, kind of a pretty solid prospect, a second-round uh, pick by Columbus. Uh, you know, gosh, like, I want to say it's been about 10 years now. And, uh, and uh, but uh, he was one of those guys that really did get caught in that that changing era that we've talked about a lot that you know really started to happen you know early to midway through the the past uh, 2010 decade and uh, you know kind of got squeezed uh you know uh pretty hard that way and uh his game you know probably 10 15 years ago he would have had a spot in the nhl but uh you know that element now teams just aren't really looking for it so uh you know for, for him to kind of be able to 
keep plugging away at the AHL level and, uh, you know, make himself a, a quality player, uh, can at least handle things at that level. Uh, you know, I think full credit to him. I mean, a lot of guys uh, probably would have packed it in at that point. And, uh, you know, to his credit, he's, uh, he's kept going. And I mean, and that's, uh, you know, especially at the American League level, that's a grind. Uh, you know, the schedule just is, uh, you know, we've talked about that, you know, many times. Schedule's pretty intense at the AHL level and uh, doesn't really let up on guys. And, and I think for him especially, he's he counts as a, a veteran in terms of uh, roster status. And, uh, you know, that's every year now. You're It's harder and harder to, uh, to uh, get a job and to, uh, you know, to keep a job. And uh, for him... Uh, uh, to be able to do that and, you know, even to get an AHL contract uh, to start the season is not easy. I mean, there are a lot of guys that get pushed over Europe for that very reason. And uh, he's, uh, instead, he's been a player that's, you know, he brings something that, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty solid, uh, you know, uh, uh, system like Buffalo. Uh, they see enough in him to, uh, you know, give him a deal. And then they see enough to bring him up to the NHL. So, uh, yeah, he's a... Uh, this guy, you know, to his credit, he's been able to keep plugging around and uh, uh, making a little career for himself. And, I mean, there are a lot of guys at the American League level. Uh, you know, you can make a pretty nice living there. And, uh, you know, he's been able to do that. And he's just one of those guys that never quite got on track uh, with his career early on. And, uh, and then, like we said, got, you know, really kind of squeezed by that, that uh, changing uh, transition in the you know, entire sport. And, uh, you know, as a result, here he is 27 years old down in the American League on an AHL deal. So, uh, you know, certainly not not the kind of guy that's, uh, you know, really on anyone's radar. And then he uh, uh, manages to get uh, a contract. So, well, uh, you it, know, and I think part of that is just uh, shaking up the Buffalo yeah. dressing room as well. Uh, send a message uh, to some of the players there to not get too comfortable. So, yeah, I think that's a, a big part of it. Well, I'm wondering too, Patrick, you, you, I think you brought up a good point. He got caught in maybe the changing of the guard when it came to how the game is played today. I, I can remember back in the day, growing up in Pittsburgh, when they wanted to bring somebody up to send a message, they promoted Dennis Bonvey. Yeah. And, you know, uh, probably uh, on most occasions, he's not going to play in the NHL, played a few games, got his taste there, but was mainly an AHL legend. But you really don't see too many guys from the AHL since the lockout just come up and perform that role that Dalton Smith performed. I mean, very rarely do you see a guy come up for a game and then never get back in the league because I think at this point you've got to play at least a little bit for a team to want to promote you. I mean, can you make um, sense of it? And, and are there any other examples out there of guys who maybe maybe were promoted for a game or two, sent back down, and we never heard from again? I guess Eddie, yeah. Pas- Eddie Pasquale comes to mind, but yeah. he's a goaltender, and maybe that's a little bit different. Yeah, it is. And, and yeah, I would say not recently. I mean, there were uh, – in- used to be the kind of thing there was a lot more of that you know like you said the Dennis Bonvey I think about Pete Vandermeer was another type of guy you know the guy that you know you could bring up for you know maybe a game or two literally in their entire pro career at the NHL level and then uh, you know you know it's uh, you know it used to be an arms race uh, you know certainly at the AHL level I mean uh, I mean every it used to be you know really not that long ago every team had four or five six legitimate heavyweights and then a pretty you know long list of solid middleweights uh you know there was i mean it was a tough tough league i mean uh, and uh you know that whole element it's been interesting to sort of watch it unfold i mean uh you know i remember when i left i left in 2011 when the nhl came to winnipeg and when i came back in 2016 it was like is this the same league i mean it was just completely different and ever even since 2016 it's only gotten more so i mean you know you look at like you know you know the, the the penalty minute list you know league leaders and you're like oh my god like i think it's 93 minutes leads the league now you know midway point i mean gosh like there were guys that used to put up 93 minutes in the first month of the season and uh i mean you know i mean i remember like i said uh, pete randermeer he had 332 minutes in 38 games around i think 2008 you know you you start to plot out that pace for the year and you know you're well over 600 and you know brian mcgratton put up 551 uh in the lockout you're in it used to be just uh you know guys almost just um you know trying to rack up you know as many penalty minutes as they could almost for bragging rights and uh now you have a there's not one guy uh who's been able to cross the 100 penalty minute threshold uh midway through the season so it's been an interesting evolution for sure i mean I just don't think players these days uh, 
are just all that interested in that element of the game anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been interesting in the sense that uh, for years and years and years, the debate was should hockey, you know, ban fighting. And as it kind of turned out, they didn't have to. Uh, they just, it just kind of has almost petered out on its own. So, uh, yes, it's uh, it's been an interesting, uh, really interesting evolution. I mean, there's really only a handful of guys, Dalton Smith being one of them, that I can look at now and I can say, yeah, that guy would have fit in, you know, in terms of being an enforcer or, or that element, you know, you know, back, you know, when I started 10, 15 years ago. So, yeah, it's been a strange, strange, uh, uh, just, uh, you know, you know, I mean, for years and years and years, I mean, fighting, especially at the American League level, was such a part of the game and frankly was such a drawing card for fans. And now uh, it's almost really an afterthought. I mean, have you noticed? Have you noticed because fighting is less at the AHL level, has has that affected attendance in a direct way at all? It's hard to tell because uh, the league's gone to bigger markets, kind of in that same span. So uh, you know, you're you're no longer in the small markets where it kind of had a ceiling on the on the attendance that you, you, you could bring in. So now you're in the San Diego's of the world, the Austin, Texas, uh, San Antonio is like, you know, some legitimate big, big league markets. Uh, so, um, I would say, I would say I've well, I certainly have heard that complaint, uh, from fans, uh, certainly from some of the longtime fans. And then I've also heard it interesting from sort of the casual fans who maybe don't really pay attention to things. And then, uh, you know, they go to their, one or two games a year and they, you know, they kind of show up thinking, okay, well, we're playing our big rival tonight. And, uh, you know, oh, wow, I went to that game. There was no fights. I was strange. And then, you know, I go there again and there's no fights. And you're like, you know, if you haven't really been paying attention, um, you would, uh, you know, you would not really, uh, you know, expect to see this evolution. But, uh, yeah, I think it's hard to say, but. I think I think it's uh, it's been a challenge for sure. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things. I mean, hockey and fighting. I mean, that was let's be honest, that was a drawing card for a lot of years. And uh, uh, you know, uh, so teams have got a little more creative in terms of getting uh, people in the building. And then, frankly, just the the entertainment options, even from you know ten years ago. I mean, there are so many other things uh, keeping people at home these days. Uh, and especially in hockey and especially at the minor league level, it's not like baseball where you're selling, you know, a night out the park and, you know, you sit in the stands and have a beer. I mean, you know, a lot of this is like, you know, come out, you know, on a Wednesday night in the middle of winter time and sit in a building. So it's, it's, but, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a challenge and it's been a very, uh, you know, uh, I think it's a, a delicate, uh, situation for the hockey world to kind of navigate through because, you know, there is that business element, but then there, you know, frankly, there, there's the whole health element and everything else that we've all been over. So, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, uh, definitely an adjustment, I think for a lot of teams and for the, really for the entire business. Patrick Williams joins us here on lightning power play live. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with part two of our interview with Patrick. If you want to react to anything we've had to say, you can at Greg Linelli back after this on lightning power play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Shot taken, Morgan! What a save by Vasilevsky! No rebound! The latest news, interviews, and more. No. With your host, Greg Lanelli. Really? On Lightning Power Play. All right, Lightning Power Play Live rolls along. Greg Lanelli with you, Patrick Williams from NHL.com. Annalie Prospects joins us here on the program. He's been gracious enough to hang on for one more segment on the show. Switching gears, it's been an adjustment for Syracuse. They just have not been able to find any momentum, unlike the parent club. The Lightning are, are rolling right now, Patrick, but it seems like in, in Syracuse it's uh, been hit or miss. They get a good win against Toronto, I believe, what was yeah. it on Friday and then uh, fall to who was Laval on Saturday? And it's just been one step forward, two steps back. Do you get the sense there's some fr frustration boiling down in, in Syracuse? I do. Uh, um, definitely. I mean, they shook up the lineup, uh, the roster this past week. They uh, moved out Chris Muller, uh, you know, really, you know, highly respected veteran around, you know, around the American League who, you know, was a, a big signing last year. He was second over, you know, second in the league in goals, 33, you know, and certainly was producing offensively again this year. But uh, uh, just uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, the fit wasn't quite there in Syracuse. And uh, so they move him out to Anaheim, uh, bring in Pat Seeloff, uh, kind of a gritty, 
uh, a little bit of a abrasive type defenseman, uh, which frankly I think their their lineup needed. Uh, but that was a pretty big price for them to pay in terms of that. But you're right about the momentum. Uh, you know, they 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 take a team like Toronto and and you know 56 shots, beat them eight two. Uh, huge win, you know, against one of the real, you know, elite teams in the league. And then, you know, and, and then they go on the road up to Laval against a team uh, that's got a lot of roster issues and health issues. And, and granted, it's a road game and it was an overnight trip and all that, but they fall behind and then they uh, can't uh, pull it out. So, uh, yeah, it really is uh, a classic case, two steps forward, two steps back. And we're getting to the point now where, uh, you know, the standings are starting to, squeeze them a little bit uh they're uh now six points back of a playoff spot at you know just uh, they'll hit the mid uh, midway point uh this coming week and uh it's uh yeah it's getting a little dicey here they're gonna have to really start getting it going really start getting on a run here but now you get in the stage of the year where the schedule really piles up and uh, it can be hard to uh, really get a run going that way so um yeah they're they've kind of made a little bit of a mess for themselves here and uh uh, they're gonna have to uh, really, uh, really start getting it going because um, uh, you know it gets late early, you know, in hockey, and uh, you know we we know all the all the statistical kind of shorthand, uh, uh, you know, for in terms of uh, you know where you want to be at different points of the season and your playoff chances. And uh, right now, you look at that top four in their North Division, and uh, you know there's a four pretty solid teams, and they have another team in Laval between them, so. Uh, they're gonna have to really get the get it going here uh, because uh, if they're counting on one of those teams ahead of them to start to really uh, you know fade or fall apart, uh, I probably wouldn't advise them to do that. And uh, yeah, they're at you know they're at the point now. They're gonna have to uh, really make a run of it. They've used up some of the games in hand, and uh, you know, they're uh, they're in a they're in a tight spot. And this division's rough, and uh, you know it's not gonna get any easier as the season goes on. The guy they got in that trade, there was he made a lot of news. I think it was back in 2016, right? Didn't he have that vicious hit on Clark MacArthur? Basically ended his uh, career? Yes. Yes, uh, he did. Uh, that's, uh, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, he's... Uh, How do you pronounce uh, his name? Patrick Seeloff? Seeloff. Uh, Seeloff, so, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's the kind of guy that's uh, probably you know a lot like Don Smith uh, in an earlier time in hockey uh, would have... Uh, uh, fit in you know, a, little, a little bit more. I mean, he was another guy that was, uh, you know, at one point a pretty solid prospect. Uh, uh, second rounder himself, never quite fit in, uh, never quite got on track. And now he's just now he's at that stage in his career where you know he start bouncing around a lot. Twenty five years old. That's when guys start, you know, more of a year to year basis uh, in terms of contracts and uh, opportunities they're getting. So, yeah, he was a guy that uh, he can uh, certainly. He can certainly rub opponents the wrong way, that's for sure. Uh, and uh, he's uh, an element I think Syracuse certainly lacked. And I think uh, there was a very, uh, very good reason they went out and uh, you know specifically got him, uh, because I think uh, in general uh, that that lineup's been a little less complacent and just a little just flat and blah. And a guy like him, uh, if nothing else, uh, uh, when a team is flat, he can certainly stir the pot and uh, you know really kind of get both his team and frankly the the other team uh, a little fired up and uh, you know which obviously can be good or bad uh, depending on uh, you know uh, if you're the coach and you know he can at times get into penalty trouble as well but uh, he certainly does bring that element as well where uh, he uh, he uh, he you know he's physical he's tough he's abrasive uh, kind of all the things that uh, you want and you want to have in a defenseman I think most successful teams need at least couple of those guys that can play that game, and uh, he certainly can. Two goals in two career NHL games. Uh, it's <laughs> yes. pretty. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, I think that's as I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking through it. I think he's one of a, a handful of players. Um, let's see here. He was the first player in NHL history to score a goal in their debut for two different teams. So <laughs> good for him. Uh, in the that's National good, Hockey League, that's actually a pretty pretty cool stat. You know, that's not a great ringing endorsement of the Syracuse Crunch. Uh, basically, they need a bit tough, a little bit more toughness. They uh, reassigned Matthew Joseph down there, not really a um, a physical guy, more of a skilled player. But 
I guess that's the challenge with AHL teams, Patrick. You know, trying to get that mix of developing players, but also having a little bit of uh, balance when it comes to guys that are are gritty. Um, yeah. Is that a is that a knock on how the Crunch went about developing their roster this year, or do you just feel like that's sometimes how it plays out? And maybe some guys they thought were going to bring that physical presence, they haven't done it yet. Yeah, I think that's 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 a big part of it. It's guys that you would have expected to, uh, you know, to bring that uh, either haven't done enough of it or haven't done it consistently enough. I think it's almost, you know, the word I would use for it is just uh, in-game engagement. Uh, guys that are just going to kind of be dialed in, guys that are going to, you know, uh, it's not so much going out there and, and fighting and all that, but just guys are going to finish their hits, guys that are going to uh, uh, kind of be, you know, just – you know, really, you know, uh, kind of in 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 their opponent's face, and frankly, sometimes in their in their teammates' faces, and you know, a little bit of that can go a long way, and you do have to balance some of that out and not uh, go overboard with that, uh, especially in today's game. But uh, I do think that was an element where you know it was just a team. So I think when you get into those consistency issues, I think a lot of it is just uh, you know, you know, when you really boil it down, a lot of it is just they're not all that you know mentally engaged in it in the game you know on a night-to-night basis one night they might be and then the next night they're flat and i think uh you know when you have a team that is flat uh adding that element adding that spice to the lineup uh, can, uh you know if you're the crunch hopefully for them uh uh sort of start to uh, solve that problem and then you hope it's a little bit of a ripple effect to the lineup now it doesn't always work that way sometimes it's you know, the one guy that's all, uh, you know, ready to, you know, run through a wall and everyone else is trying to like, what's this guy doing? So, you know, it's the right mix you have to find, but uh, uh, I think that's what the Crunch are looking for. And, you know, frankly, I think they need it. They haven't found their goaltender yet. Maybe they're still working some things out, but they bring up Zach Fukali from Orlando. Now, this is a guy that was a second-round pick by the Canadians a couple of years back. You look at his numbers in the AHL and in the ECHL, and they are bad. 6'2", 187. Again, former second-round pick, so there's some pedigree there. Yep. Patrick, what do you make of that promotion? What do you make of the Crunch's goaltender situation? Do we have any more clarity there with who is the guy? And is Fukali a guy that... Or Fukali, is he a guy that down the road um, could open up a few eyes? Or is he basically, at this point, a minor league goaltender? Uh, at this point, he's a minor league goalie, but uh, you know, I think that's still an open-ended question on whether he can be more than that. Uh, uh, I think in his case, uh, like you said, he's a second-round pick, so certainly came in with some promise. Uh, you know, uh, you know, in his defense, I think he was probably overvalued in terms of his draft uh, pick status, and and that can work against guys sometimes. Uh, you know, uh, you know, expectations maybe don't match the reality, and a guy is, you know, he's a second round pick on, on paper, but, uh, you know, in terms of what he actually is, he probably, you know, something lower than that, but, uh, he came in and I think, you know, he got into a weird situation. Uh, he came in he was drafted by Montreal. He was coming off, uh, back-to-back world junior, uh, appearances. Uh, so a guy certainly knew how to play on the big stage. Uh, you know, if, if you're doing that, uh, not just once, but twice, uh, you're accustomed to that. Uh, he had a really, uh, uh, all in all, pretty solid career in the in the Quebec League. Uh, so coming out of junior, a lot of things were kind of going in his favor. Uh, but uh, he he got in that Montreal system, uh, had a pretty solid rookie season actually, and then uh, got off track. Charlie Lindgren came in; he was kind of the new uh, the new darling of the uh, uh, you know, prospect pipeline there. Fell behind him, ended up going down the ECHL, and then the following year, uh, you know, 2017, it was. Uh, Laval was absolutely horrible that year. I mean, they were just a complete mess and disaster, you know, and, and he was kind of pulled down with that. And then, you know, Montreal doesn't even retain him after his uh, three-year entry level's up. He goes to Vegas uh, to their system last year. Uh, doesn't play great in the ECHL, but, uh, you know, that was going to be a tough lineup to crack, uh, you know, at the AHL level. So uh, that was a team that went to the Carter Cup final, the uh, Chicago Wolves. And so now he's taking another shot with Orlando and – really put together a really nice season. So uh, he got an opportunity to play at the Spengler Cup. So that that's, you know, that's high-level competition for him as well. Um, you know, and uh, now, yeah, this is a chance. I think this is a message really to the whole, you know, the goaltenders and really to the whole team there in Syracuse that, uh, you know, we expect a lot better. 
And when you looked at that roster, uh, you know, certainly on paper, they should be well ahead of where they are. Uh, similar to the Lightning were earlier in the year, uh, where it's just a team that's just not playing up to their potential. And, and, and goaltending has been definitely an issue there. I think there's no way around that. Uh, it was, uh, you know, that three-man logjam at the start of the year. Then that uh, started to work itself out. Uh, and then Scott Wedgwood got injured. And nobody's really, uh, up until this point, uh, taken the uh, opportunity to run with it. And so now they'll, they'll try the fifth guy and see uh, – see what he has to offer and uh, if he can bring anything in. Uh, I think at this point, uh, yeah, it's almost like open auditions uh, for that job. And, you know, uh, whoever uh, shows something, uh, they'll get that job. Uh, and, you know, if you really look at that uh, that entire, you know, that kind of crew of goaltending, uh, the Lightning are not all that invested in any of them. And none of them are, you know, really top prospects at this point. So uh, whoever can uh, go in there and do the job and uh, make it uh, a better situation for the other players on the team that are top prospects, um, you know, I think that's what, who the Lightning will go with in Syracuse. But, uh, you know, it's really up to everyone. And, uh, you know, uh, and if uh, I think the next step is if nobody, if McCauley doesn't uh, run with this opportunity or anyone else doesn't, then uh, then they'll uh, start to look outside the uh, team and uh, find options elsewhere. Who is um, maybe surprised you with his play in a negative way for Syracuse. I, I was actually hoping that Danik Martell would be taking those next steps. I mean, they basically kept, kept him on the NHL roster all last year, and maybe he lost some time development-wise, yeah. although you can make a case he's a guy that accomplished just about everything you'd want to at the AHL level, and then he was getting NHL instruction for a full year. Maybe that could have been used in a positive way. He hasn't really taken off. I mean, the Lightning have had opportunities to promote him, and they've done it with other guys credit to them and credit to the other guys who've been promoted but has he stood out as a guy that's been a, a tad disappointing and what do you make of his his season to date yeah i think you look at him and uh it's becoming clear that that uh you know the last season really uh did him no favors but he only played what 15 or so games last year uh never really got in any sort of flow um and you know, that really set him back. I mean, up until that point, he'd been pretty regular. You know, he was in Philadelphia's system and, uh, you know, it made himself uh, kind of a, a real uh, nice combination of a guy that could uh, definitely uh, produce offensively, but also really kind of a pest, a guy that could get in other teams' faces. And, uh, yeah, it just hasn't – He, you know, he's done okay in Syracuse, but, uh, you know, I expected that there would be a lot more there uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, I think – you know, it's one of those chicken and the egg scenarios where, uh, you know, how much of that is him individually and how much of that is just everything around him. Uh, so, yeah, it's a situation where uh, there's there's a lot of guys that aren't really uh, hitting their potential. And uh, it, not that Martel's necessarily really a prospect at this point, but uh, uh, but there are a number of guys, you know, go up and down the lineup where, uh, you know, they haven't, they haven't taken that next step that, that you know, that you'd want to see, you know, a guy in his second or third year start to really take. And, uh, you know, I think that has rippled down the lineup. And, uh, but, I mean, it's a lot of things. I mean, it's 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 the kind of thing where uh, one element, uh, you know, it's like a machine. If one part breaks, then the other parts may start, you know, following. And then it just becomes a, you know, spirals out, you know. So um, it's, uh, it's right down the list. Uh, you know, and I've seen this, especially at the American League level. Sometimes the mix, for one reason or another, uh, just doesn't fit you know you look at it and you think it should work and you know all the pieces are there but uh you know sort of that 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 uh that hidden ingredient that secret sauce whatever you want to call it uh that makes a hockey team go or not go um you know for whatever reason that isn't there and you know i'm starting to get a little bit of that feeling with syracuse where you know you you know i i don't look at their off season and think well gee why did they do that or why did they uh you know, bring that guy or not bring that guy. I mean, I, I was high on this team when the, when the season started. So, uh, you know, I've been surprised really as much as anybody did not see it uh, really quite pan out. But, uh, you know, at this level, it's it's such a weird, uh, uh, unpredictable level where you just have a lot of guys, uh, you know, you have the elements of youth and, and uh, you know, uh, inexperience, but then you also have the older guys who uh, aren't always necessarily uh, – you know, their heads aren't necessarily always in the game and uh, maybe they're, they're, you know, a little bit focused on something else, especially those guys. Once that NHL uh, window starts to close, uh, you can almost see that uh, attention span start to fade. So, you know, I've seen this with teams over the years where, uh, you know, you think it should work and it doesn't. 
and uh, you know, a lot of that time, it is really that element of uh, inexperience from the you know young end of the roster, you know, as well as sort of the uh, the drifting attention span of some of the older guys. So uh, and that's a challenge for coaches at this level. I, I've had more coaches than one guys who coach at the NHL level say, uh, you know, they coached uh, NHL, AHL, junior college, wherever, and they say this is the toughest level to coach at. Well, simply because you have so many moving parts uh, and elements that uh, you don't have to deal with at other levels, in addition to all the other things that a coach has to deal with. So, uh, you know, I think Ben Grew this year uh, really is, has his work cut out for him uh, trying to get this all, uh, you know, on track. And, uh, you know, they're really going to be one of the real interesting teams, I think, you know, across the league, all 31 teams, uh, how they'll handle the second half, uh, you know, as they really start to go and, you know, uh, the real heart of the schedule. Patrick, before we let you go, I know you did a, a recent article about uh, the previous decade, kind of a review of some of the top organizations in Syracuse, and the Lightning made that list. What did you like about what they've been able to accomplish over the last 10 years? Uh, the thing I like about Syracuse and Tampa is, uh, you know, and it's similar to Washington, where they've been able, uh, some teams and some NHL systems are able to develop a certain uh, type of player or a certain position, whereas, you know, you look at Syracuse, you look at Washington, uh, or I should say you look at uh, Hershey, uh, over the years they've been able to, you know, develop a goaltender here, they've been defensemen, you know, and, and you know, forwards, and, you know, when you can really start to get that uh, pump, uh, you know, at the AHL level, starting really to uh, pump out uh, not just prospects, but prospects in all different positions and guys, you know, all different types of players, whether it's a guy that's going to come up and be a, a role player, a fourth line guy that's going to play PK, or a guy that's going to come up eventually maybe make it to the second line. Or, you know, you look at the uh, the Lightning with Vasilevsky, uh, you know, developing a, you know, real high level number one uh, goalie or, or top defenseman. I mean, so, I mean, same thing with Washington. I mean, you look at who they brought up over the years, goaltenders uh, left and right, but also, you know, defensemen like John Carlson and then some real solid, uh, you know, mix of forwards. So uh, that's one of the real things I, you know, I look for and, and certainly has stood out, uh, you know, really when you start to look at the, uh, the, the top farm systems out there, how they're able to do it consistently, but they're also able to, uh, do a wide variety, not just sort of specialize in one type of player or one type of position. So, yeah, those are really two of the uh, the systems, over the, especially, you know, to do it for so many years, to do it over the, you know, period of, of a decade. Um, you know, I think that really stands out. And, uh, you know, I think the NHL uh, records uh, over that time uh, speak for itself. I mean, you look at Washington, they had 14 guys that came through their farm system, that one that, that were on the Stanley Cup roster in 2018. And, uh, you know, obviously we've, you know, talked extensively about what the Lightning have uh, done in their system. So, uh, but you can do that. I mean, those are players that uh, you absolutely have to develop. And, uh, you know, there's a, a very clear distinction between uh, the successful annually or perennially successful NHL teams uh, and the ones that aren't. And uh, one of the big distinctions is the ability to, to kind of develop that consistent uh, production of good young talent uh, to fit, you know, around your core guys who are going to eat up a lot of the cap. So, uh, if you can't develop, then uh, it's going to be a real, real tough way to win, uh, you know, in the NHL of, of today. Patrick, great stuff as always. We appreciate the analysis, and we'll do it again next Monday. Awesome. Thank you. Check out his work uh, throughout NHL.com, Elite Prospects. Also, he's got a podcast throughout the week. That is Patrick Williams. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Has your opinion of the Lightning changed over the last month, especially with the team winning seven in a row? We'll discuss when we come back on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Crosby, open in front, backhand shot. What a save. miraculous stop. The latest news, interviews, and more. Finally! With your host, Greg Lanelli. Oh, the relief on his face. On Lightning Power Play. This team's going through some adversity this year for sure. Came out on top during the seven-game win streak, and they're still uh, rolling along. It's been uh, fun to watch, and kudos to the Lightning. They deserve this. They've been uh, really good, and uh, I think they're finally getting rewarded for how they've been playing um, really for the last couple of months. I want to get some player sound from last night, player's reaction. Steven Stamko scored a goal, as we said, last night off a really good play by Nikita Kucherov, the captain, able to contribute last night offensively. He talked about the team's seven-game win streak and so much more. 
on Lightning Power Play. Yeah, that was, I've been in the league a while, that was one of the worst back-to-backs, you know, having, playing in Canada, clearing customs, getting in 2.33 in the morning. We knew this was going to be a tough one, so we wanted to just kind of lay it out on the line early, and we had a great start, and that was that was part of the game plan, and then kind of weathered the storm the rest of the way, led by our goaltender and our penalty kill, but to be able to jump out to that uh, 3 nothing lead, it gave us some wiggle room to um, catch our breath a little bit, and you could tell that we were kind of fatiguing towards the end of the game, but we stuck with it. Um, we didn't really break, and again, PK and, and our goaltender were, were big down the stretch. What have you learned just about the team overall through this win streak? They've all been different, you know, they're different kinds of wins here. Yeah, I mean, each game is, is obviously a, a different challenge in itself, and we found different ways. We've come out and had to come from behind. We've played with the lead. We've... Um, had some tight ones down the stretch. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be in an 82-game season. So it, it's good that we're – it feels like we're more comfortable now when we're um, in those situations and maybe at the beginning of the year. But uh, we've been talking about it for the last month and a half, two months, that we've liked where our game was heading. And, you know, to, to reel off seven in a row now and keep climbing the standings is, is something we want to continue. The defensive commitment was there tonight, too. It was really evident in the last – Four minutes trying to kill penalties but sticks and lanes and, and lifting sticks and everything tonight. yeah i mean we've talked about you know guys you know needing to sacrifice their bodies and in, in front of our goaltender we have an elite goaltender for sure we, we have all the trust in him but um like i said i can't say enough good things about the penalty kill at the end guys are blocking shots we've we've seen a lot more guys step up in that department and and that's part of a winning culture so um Again, we knew they were going to, you know, press in, in the third. And, um, you know, although we didn't probably attack as much as we wanted to, we, we held on to that lead. You talk about taking advantage of turnovers when they present themselves. I mean, when you're in a, a back-to-back, you know, situation like we were, um, you know, sometimes you have to be a little opportunistic. And, and we have guys on this team that... Um, can finish if given the chance and we made a couple of good plays you know you get some breaks because you're working hard and and we capitalized on them so um you know you're gonna have games where you need that and and tonight was was one of them one of the things we talked about earlier on was playing with the lead how how have you guys kind of uh done better with that you know as you said it's not just starting now it's been a little while yeah i think for the most part we've continued to just attack and play our game um tonight you know being a little different um you know with just the the situation that presented itself but for the most part when when we've been a fresh team we've we've been attacking and and pushing the pace still and that's what you want to do when you have the lead you don't want to sit back because you know you see towards the end of the game tonight where you know they were you know having most of the, the possession in, in our own end. But um, for the most part, I think we've done a better job at that. I think they have too, and uh, led by their star players again. But that work ethic, I think, is starting to trickle down to everybody in that lineup and uh, believing in what they need to do to be better and to win games. And again, the, the adversity they faced early on, I think, is helping them mold into the team they are right now. And I think that is going to be beneficial towards the end of the year and into the playoffs. Anthony Sorelli also weighed in on the team's seventh win in a row. Here is the young centerman on Lending Power Play. How much did it mean to you guys to be able to get this one out, given the circumstance, the travel, and some of the adversity you faced? Yeah, uh, obviously this was kind of tougher back-to-back, uh, you know, that I've played in, in the league. So um, I know we went to come out, get a good start, and, uh, you know, to, to be able to battle for, for 60 minutes and grind one out. And um, obviously Vassi made some huge saves for us uh, throughout the game. Uh, but to get the two points here uh, feels really good. You guys got a great start to the second period, but how much did Braden Point's goal to give you that 3 nothing lead then change the game for you guys or maybe give you some more confidence moving forward? Yeah, it uh, gave us a little bit of boost. Um, you know, whenever we could, you know, go up three, and it, like you said, it gives us a little bit of confidence in, in you know, with the puck and and uh, pushing the pace. So I think after that goal, um, you know, we did a good job of playing their end a bit and, and uh, started creating a little bit more chances. But... Uh, you know, they pushed uh, throughout the game there, and I, th- I thought we did a good job of weathering it. What do you like about what you guys are doing right now defensively? Yeah, I think, you know, everyone's kind of committed to, to being better defensively and, and, and trying to keep the puck out of our net. And, um, you know, it starts with Vassy. He's making huge saves for us. And, you know, um, big thing is breaking the puck out. I think we're doing a good job of trying to get out of the zone quicker. And um, another thing is blocking shots. I think, you know, the guys are doing a good job of getting in lanes and, uh, you know, helping out. Uh, Whenever we can. What have you learned about this team just in the different ways you've won through this win streak? 
Yeah, um, I think it shows you know we could win different ways. You know, we could you know outscore teams, put up a lot of goals, and and we could grind grind these ones out. Uh, you know, giving up maybe one goal and, and playing it tight. So, um, you know, it's still you know middle of the season here, so we're still learning. We're still trying to get better, and um, but to to come away with a couple wins here on on this road trip is really nice. Yeah, um, you know, obviously Vasi making huge saves for us, um, and then you know stems up from the D to the forwards. I think we did a good job of uh, trying to get in lanes, trying to get six in lanes, trying to get you know bodies in, in front, and you know numerous guys had uh, had block shots there. And uh, you know I think when we're, we're committed like that, then uh, uh, good things will happen. And um, we had to, to grind it out at the end, and uh, it was like I said, it felt good. All right, Anthony Sorelli there uh, after the game. It's interesting looking at the Lightning and some of the offensive players and numbers they're putting up. They have three players that are averaging over a point per game or at a point per game. Kucherov, Stamkos, and Hedman. Then they have two in Point and Kalorn who uh, are almost at that right now. Point at 35 points through 38. Kalorn 35 through 39. Sorelli's got 27 points through 40 games. And again, it speaks to the depth offensively that they have. But I think what we're also seeing is a commitment to what they can do defensively and just being a bit better. You know, do I want Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov blocking shots um, 41 games into the season? No. I mean, I don't. I don't know about you. You know, let somebody else do that. You know, come playoff time, okay, we can have a, a debate about whether or not they should. I, I mean, they probably should, for sure. Come playoff time, everybody's sacrificing. But I think these guys have been good all year long, and they're finally getting rewarded for it, and that's a good thing uh, at, at least for me, to see when it comes to the Lightning. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here tonight on the show. Thank you so much for listening. We always appreciate it. Patrick Williams from NHL.com and Elite Prospects joined us earlier. We'll be with you tomorrow night live from Amelie Arena, getting you set for Lightning and Canucks. Make sure you keep it tuned to Lightning Power Play throughout the broadcast. And, of course, after the game, I will be with Brian Engbaum for the last call. And, of course, you can catch my show 530 to 630 leading into the pregame. Thanks, everybody. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on Lending Power Play.